0: Are we in the middle of anything that you might remember?
1: How to develop the Ratzayim. Oh, okay.
0: Now, we're discussing now a Ratzayim, which is L'mayla Mitambadas, which is above understanding. There can be different Ratzayimers, different levels of rotson of will. You could have a rotson which is alpitamvadas, which means it's a logical ghotsin. Like, why do you want something? I'll explain you what I, why, why I want it. That's tamvadas, logical ghotsin. But we're discussing now a deeper rotson a ghotsin which is l'maylamit tamvadas, higher than understanding. Now, this gotten which is higher understanding, someone wants something, so the question would be, "So why do you want?" And the answer would be... What's the answer? I feel?? Like, <laughs> huh? I feel like it's. Sometimes. Because I want it. Yeah. But why do you want it? I want it. If I'm going to give you a reason, then I got the wrong gotten. There's a lower lotzin where you want something for a reason. There's a higher lotzin you want something. Why? Because I want it. Now uh, we'll discuss how, how you get this. How you get this First, let's discuss, first discuss more what this lotzin is. But let's define this more. What's an example? What's, this, what's an example of a rotson that's Lumylum The Thailand understanding. What's an example of such a Ratsun? So before we find an example, we have to understand what does das mean? What is a rotson of das Logical rotson What does that mean? And what does it mean a rotson higher than rational? What does that what does that mean? So the general rutsen, which is rational, which makes sense, is a rutsen which basically says a benefit, gain. Like, why do you want? Because I want to gain something. You want a food, you want to gain. You want to learn a certain knowledge, because you want to gain. So when you're dealing with benefit and gain, that's a rutsen which is that, makes sense. But then you have another Ratzon, a deeper Ratzon, where you want it not for gain, not for benefit. Then why do you want it? Because you want it, because it's rotson.: Is it related to when the Altar Rebbe said that he didn't want
1: kind or Hayden or he only wanted Hashem, or is this a different type of Ratzon? It's related, but that was a deeper level. Ah. Well, that
0: was a deeper level that we're speaking with now. Now, uh, j- just an example for this. An example for this is um, the ratzen that a yid has for tele mitzvahs, to do tele mitzvahs. So every yid has such a ratzen. Every yid wants to do tele mitzvahs. Now, if, you, if you ask the question, then why do you want your yid? Why do you want a tele mitzvahs? The answer is because I want. Okay, Is it because of gain? You want to gain? That's not the reason. It's, then why do you want? Because I want. Now, what's the source of this ratzen? What's the source? So the source of this ratzen is deeper levels of the neshama, the makifim, <coughs> which is chay That's the source. And that's something we're born with. A baby one day old has such a ratzen, a will to, to serve Hashem. doesn't mean the baby is consciously aware of it. You could have an adult that's also not consciously aware of this, but it's, it is a ratzen. It's a ratzen which is We're born that way. We're born with such a ratzen. And th- this is a principle which uh, we see in Halacha, in the Rambam. We see this principle by the Rambam. The Ram discusses this ratzen. This is in the laws of... Uh, two places he discusses this, in the laws of, of Gershon, of divorce, and in the laws of Korbonah, uh, sacrifices. So the the laws like this, when it comes to, let's say, divorce, there are times when the Beisdin, the Jewish court, will uh, identify a certain situation where they say the husband must divorce his wife. But imagine the husband refuses. Beisdin says, you must, and he refuses. So the next thing that Beishten does is in will coerce the husband to to give the, the divorce. That's what will happen next. Beishten will coerce. Now, this is not just true for giving and get. This is true also for any mitzvah. In the times when there's a base Mikdash, in the times when we have... Uh, a melech, you have monarchy. A Jewish king, you have a Baisdin, You have the supreme court when there's a bason So if 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 a, if a yid doesn't have a mezuzah on their door, if bason finds out about that, the Jewish court they're going to say, "Excuse me, you got to put up a mezuzah." And if the guy says, "No, I don't want to," So what happens next? Basin will coerce the person to put up a mezuzah and to and to keep shabbos and to put on tefillin. That's what Basin does. Nowadays, people don't like that approach. You know, They call it Jew, the co- religious coercion. You know, kviadatid. It's coercion. You can give it any name you want, but that's actually the reason for the midst of having a melech, one of the reasons. The jobs of a melech, in, in, of a king in Judaism, is to, to enhance Judaism. There's no separation of religion and state in Judaism when you have a, a Jewish king. You know, it's just Saul with a base of So There's no separation between the two, it goes together. The function of a king is to strengthen the fulfillment of the mitzvahs. So if someone refuses to do it, either the basin or the king, you know, the government will get involved and coerce the prison to, to do it. He doesn't want to put on tefillin. Okay, so nowadays, you know, are you Jewish? You want to put on tefillin? He could say yes, he could say no, maybe try to convince him, but if he says no, he walks away. Nowadays, you know, you have, you have to use persuasion if you could persuade someone good when there's a base of middash you start with persuasion but if that doesn't work you continue with coercion now this, this coercion works for mitzvahs in general a yid doesn't want to do a mitzvah you force him he doesn't want to keep Shabbos you force him but there are certain laws in the Torah where it's not going to work For example, uh, divorce. Another example is kolom sacrifices. Where in these mitzvahs, the tailor says, you can't be coerced, you have to do it willingly. You need to want to do it. If you're coerced, it's not valid. So for example, in the case of divorce, if a husband is forced to give a get, it's not going to be a kosher get, because he doesn't want to. And likewise, if you have to bring the sacrifice. One of the mitzvahs is to bring the sacrifice. To bring kobonus. And sometimes the kobanus are obligatory. So if someone is obligated and doesn't want to bring it, so if you coerce them and they bring that, it's an invalid sacrifice. So these are examples where coercion should not work. I'll soon tell you what actually happens. You have a question?
1: Yeah, like I've seen before, like... People don't want to give a get to their wife, and they like the community starts to like, "Oh, don't do business with them, and don't let them like come mm-hmm. to them." And you know, is mm-hmm. that allowed or? problems, oh, they, them, them? they say
0: yes, then suddenly they do. It is
1: coercion in a way. Like if you're religious. <laughs> uh, you uh, okay,
0: so so again, I'm discussing that when there's a basic uh, okay. okay. Now, um, even though I just told you that these mitzvahs, if someone is forced to do give a get. Or bring a comb and a sacrifice, it's invalid. But nevertheless, Bayesian has another tactic to make this work. Uh, let's say it comes to writing a get, a divorce, divorcing wife. So you force him, and he says, I don't want, but you force him, you know, you hit him some more. So he says, Okay, I got no choice, I'll do it. But I don't want to do it, you're forcing me, I'll do it. That's not a kosher get. So I'll say, No. We're going to hit you some more, until you say, I want. OK, when we hit you and you don't want and you do it. No, we're going to hit you more, until you say you want. As long as by sacrifices. You don't want to bring it, we'll hit you. OK, I'm forced, I don't want. No, we'll hit you some more. By mezuzah, it doesn't work that way. By mezuzah, it's very basic. Based and forces the person to do it. I don't want, it doesn't matter, you don't have to want. It's <laughs> proper mezuzah. I don't care if you want, Shabbos, keep Shabbos. I don't want, it doesn't matter, just keep it. But by get, by divorce, you can't do it that way. You can't say, I don't care if you want or you don't, just do it. No, here the law says you got to want. If you don't want, it's invalid. So if the guy says, you're forcing me, I'll do it, we say no, we're going to force you until you say you want to do it. But he says, I'm honest, I don't want to do it. You don't? So they hit him some more. (laughs) Okay, there are some more. And he finally says, okay, I want, I want. Ah, you said you want. Okay, let's, let's go through with the get. And why was a sacrifice? So here the obvious question is, it sounds like it's a game. You know, the guy doesn't want. So you hit him more, say you want. He doesn't really want. Say you want. No, I, I don't want. So you hit him more. Okay, I want. That sounds like, like a game. He doesn't really want. You'd force him to say, I want. So why, why would that be good? That's a question that the Rambam asks. And he answers a a very insightful answer and it's like a game changer answer. It changes the whole perspective. And the Rambam establishes, he says that in in essence, in truth, every year it wants to serve Hashem. That's the DNA of a Yid. The Yid wants to serve Hashem. Now, sometimes, a Yid will say, no, I don't want to do the mitzvah. So that comes from the Yitzhah. The Yitzhah says, don't do it. But really, the Yid wants to do it. But the Yitzhah says, no you, no, you don't. But really, the Yid does want to do it. So based on this, that every everyid really wants to serve Hashem, Ramam says, when you hit the gu- when the basin hits the guy, you know, bring the sacrifice, give the get. Is that a want? You want more? Said, I want? Ram says, you know wha- what? That wa- those words, I want, they're authentic. He really does want. He wasn't lying. He was saying the truth. The problem was there was the Yitzhaholod till now, and the Yitzhaholod was coercing the person. To go against what he wants That's what's going on The coercion was the opposite It was Yetzal coercion Against what the person is So when the person gets hit so much Where Yetzal can't Coerce the person to go against Hashem And he says I want He really does want That's why legally the get is a legitimate get The woman is free to get married And the sacrifice is a a valid sacrifice Because when he says I want He really does want so, so this is a powerful ruling of the Rambam, where you see the dynamics of the rotz and of Eid wanting to serve Hashem. But Damm continues, and he says, uh, "This the, this discussion we had was when a Basedin, a Jewish court, coerces someone to give a get." Now let's imagine it's not the bason. Let's imagine uh, bason never told the person to give a divorce. Okay. But let's say a secular court or someone else says you got to divorce your wife, doesn't want to. They hit him. Okay, he divorces the wife, but the basin never told him he has to do it. Is this divorce valid or not?
1: It seems pretty grand-able.
0: So it would not be valid because I said the basin didn't tell me he has to do it.
1: Yeah, it was a secular court. Right, if it's the right
0: thing, maybe this court is... Uh, well, okay, right, okay. That, that's a good point, but it's not necessarily the right thing. The basin didn't tell him to do it. Someone else coerced him. Okay, and at the end he was coerced. Okay, I'll do it. Okay, but I don't want to. So, so, so they hit him some more. Not a Jewish court. Some thugs. Okay, the, 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 the wife hires some thugs... To force the husband to divorce her, but the basin never said he has to. There are times when legally a husband should divorce his wife; he must. There are times where he doesn't have to. But she wants a divorce; he doesn't. So she hires some thugs to hit him, and uh, he says, "You're forcing me. I'll do it. I don't want." No, 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 no. They hit him some more. He says, "I want," and he divorces his wife. Is this a valid divorce? It's invalid. Why? Because, in this case, it wasn't halacha, it wasn't Jewish law that he should divorce his wife. If it wasn't halacha, then it's not his real will. So when you force him and you hit him until he says they want, he really doesn't want, Then then it's a game. So it's an invalid divorce. But if the based in the Jewish court says, you're obligated, that means it's according to the Torah then the Beit forces him and he says he wants then it's authentic he really does want so this is the, the real identity of a Yid the Yid wants to serve Hashem we have Yitzhah Yitzhah could cover up on that could deny that could fight against that but the true will of a Yid is to serve Hashem to do mitzvahs now this Ratsun is it according to tamvadas or the of Tam Vadas is it a logical Ratzin? Or it's higher than logic? Which level of Ratzin is this? Higher. It's higher? This is a Ratzin higher than Tamadaz? It's not a logical you know Why does Yid want to serve Hashem? Higher than Tamadaz? Is it for gain and benefits? It's not for gain and benefits. He does Yid say so he wants to serve Hashem. Okay, now... Uh, to activate this, how do you activate this? Like, imagine this will would be active in our lives. You know what happened to us? Uh, imagine this will is activated. You know what happened? You know, full time, full blast, 24 7. It's activated. You know what happened to us? What happened to us? Well, we would be tzaddikim
1: everything would get done
0: I would never progress we would be tzaddikim but the problem is that this ratzain is not revealed by most of us at least not revealed all the time maybe some of the time maybe in certain ways but it's not fully activated it's there, it's not activated so how do you reveal it? How do you activate it? Now we have to understand why is this will not activated usually, or at least not completely. Why? Why is it? Why is it hidden? What's the reason for this? Why shouldn't this Hudson, and why shouldn't this bill? Like, why do you have to find tricks to activate it? Why can't it just be active? If we really want, so what's the problem? Well, why isn't it revealed? Why isn't it exposed? So one of the problems, one of the reasons why it's hidden is because this ratzarin, is it in the nefesh l'akis or in the nefesh abamis? Where is it? Nefesh Nefesh l'akis. Then Hashem takes our nefesh l'akis and puts it Guess where? Into where? Left Shabbamis and the Gulf, right? Shabbamis, the animals of the Gulf. And what do they do to the neshama? It, it covers up on the neshama, It hides on the neshama. So the comes with with, with with her own agenda. Mr. says, well, with all due respect that you want to serve Hashem, but that's your agenda. Shabbami says, that's not my agenda. I have other, I have other things I want to do. <laughs> Okay, so that's a cover-up on the inner will of the youth. So when we're born there's already a bit bit of a cover-up. But that cover-up is not so terrible. That cover up is not so faro. It is a cover-up, but but it's not so so thick. That covering is not so thick. It's almost like it's like a curtain where it's almost see-through. It's not so thick. No, it's the, the the rays of the sun could still shine through those cracks. The neshama, rachman, could still shine through the cracks of the Shabames. But then there's a second problem. There's a second cover-up, and that's the real problem. The second problem is when we engage, actively, or passively, in covering up on our neshama. Now, what does this cover-up mean? How do we engage that? Number one, sin. Sin is is a cover-up on our neshama. But it's not just sin. It's also the engagement and involvement in physical pleasure. That covers up on the neshama. In other words, the the person, the yid, naturally wants to serve Hashem. So if you allow that to happen, to flourish, to thrive, you allow the yid to serve Hashem. If the circumstances are right, where you're actively wanting to serve Hashem and you actually do serve Hashem, then that rotsen is activated. But when, instead of allowing that to continue, you start diverting your attention to other desires. You have other wants. You have other other wills, pleasures of this world. So that's a diversion and that's a concealment. That's a cover-up. Because those wills are, are, are like are brainwashing the person by saying, you really want what I'm telling you, okay? A person, let's say, has uh, a taiva, a taiva, uh, whatever it is, any taiva, a taiva for, for Lashon Hara, for food, for wasting time, any taiva a person has. So the time has two parts, okay? Let's say a person has uh, a steak, a taiva for a steak, so just for the purpose of our discussion, let's imagine the first steak is okay. You're hungry, you're eating a steak. Okay, the second steak maybe might be okay because, you know, you need a lot of energy, you need a lot of calories, so maybe your second steak might be okay. Okay, that might be kosher. Let's just imagine that. But the third one? You're not even hungry, you're really full. Why eating the third one? Ah, because it tastes very good. Yeah, but but you don't need it. It's like completely extra. It's not going to give you anything. If anything, it might be damaging. But it tastes good. So why why are you indulging in that? So the way things work is that the person has a desire for that. It tastes good. But there's two parts to the desire. One is I want it. And the other part is I really want it. Because there's a part of me that wants it. But there's another part that says, I really do want it. That's the problem. In other words, let's imagine a person would be able to file away the different desires you have. Each desire that you have, you question yourself. And you say, what's the origin? Where does it come from? What is it about? So imagine you're able to dissect, well, this ratson I have, this desire is, is my nefesh abamis. Then you have another ratson, oh, this ratson, nefesh And then you say, okay, listen, I, I'm, I'm, I know where it comes from. If I know where it comes from, so I know how to deal with it. So my nefesh abamis wants something. So I'm able to say, oh, that's my nefesh abamis. It's not me. My nefesh abamis wants it. There's a part of me that wants it, but it's only a part of me. It's not really me. Who says, I really want? Maybe I don't want it. If you're able to make this separation between your desire and what you really are, then half the battle is won. The problem with the desire is it has a brainwashing part to it, where it says, No, I really want. And it like it camouflages your thinking, it covers it, like brainwashes you where you start believing you really want it. Yeah. That's like, th- that's the real problem. So, so th- this is the diversion where a yid has a ghatzen to serve Hashem, but then you have these foreign ghatzoyness, these foreign wills, where they start brainwashing you really want it, and you act upon it, you deal with it. So this covers up on your ghatzen to serve Hashem. Which is a rotsin l'mailu matamadat. That's hard on understanding. That's the cover up. So one cover up is just the fact that the neshama comes down into a goof and nefesh abamis, without doing anything. That's the first cover up. One second. But that cover up is 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 is, is uh, has cracks in it. The second cover up is when either person sins or indulges in pleasure of the world then it covers it up even more and then it's possible for a person to wake up in the morning spend the whole day going to sleep and not even being aware of this because there's a cover up over here so then the question is how do you uncover it how do you activate it that's the question What's your
1: question?
0: Right, that's right. Okay, now, there's different ways of activating this ratzen. Uh, One of the ways of activating this ratzen, again, we're talking about the ratzen, the will that a yid has to serve Hashem, which is... So one of the ways of activating this is through mitzvahs, doing mitzvahs. He does a mitzvah, that has the strength of activating this rotzin. This is why it says in Pirkei that the nature of a mitzvah is, if you did a mitzvah, what's the nature of this mitzvah? It brings another mitzvah. So why does one mitzvah bring another mitzvah? Because when you did the first mitzvah, it activated that rotsin. It affected the rotzen you have to serve Hashem. Oh, oh, that's right. That's what Mephtzeim is about, right? When you go to Muftsung, you say, are you Jewish? Yeah, you want to put on tefillin? Really, he wants to put on tfilin. Every he wants to put on tefillin. Maybe he doesn't know about it. It's covered up. But if he puts on tefillin, something got triggered inside the neshama. That rotsen got triggered. It's like you're tickling that nerve, that rotsen. <laughs> And, and, and he doesn't even know what happened. Sometimes you see that he puts on film, he gets all emotional, you know? Sometimes he does get emotional, but something is triggered inside. And subconsciously, you did one mitzvah, you want to do another mitzvah. He doesn't even know about it, but, but it has, it's a trigger. That's why we say, before we do a mitzvah, we say, Ebracham. In the brachah we say, Kiddushanu v'mitzvah Hashem made us holy with his mitzvahs Now what's that Kedusha we're talking about? You know, uh, you know, you all put on tefillin yesterday You all said Kedushan with Mitzvah Yisav Okay, that sounds exciting Hashem made us holy with his mitzvahs But did anyone feel this Kedusha? Did anyone feel the Kedusha of tefillin yesterday? Maybe some of you did Maybe, but maybe some of you didn't. At least I didn't feel the kedusha. Maybe some of you did. I didn't feel the kedusha. I put on tefillin. I said kedusha, but I didn't feel the kedusha. So what's the kedusha we're talking about? What's the holiness? What is that kedusha? So the answer is that kedusha is makif. Makif means it surrounds. That Kedushah is a Kedushah which is higher than my experience, higher than my understanding, higher than my feelings. But there was a certain Kedushah that came into me and it touched and affected my Ratzin to serve Hashem. Either it affected me consciously or usually it's subconsciously, but it affected the person. And the more a person does a mitzvah, the more sensitive the person becomes towards kedusha towards Hashem. So when a person becomes more sensitive towards Hashem, it's not just because the person is uh, thinking more about Hashem, or understanding more of Hashem, or feeling more of Hashem. That sensitivity is something which happens from a deeper part of the person. And that's what Mitzayim does. Mitzayim means he does one mitzvah. You can never tell what that's going to lead to. Mitzgeras mitzvah. It might be an immediate result. It might be take some time. But something happens to the end. So this is one method of activating the Ratzim to serve Hashem. Now, there's also a second approach of activating this ratzon, is by undoing the damage of that which covers up on the ratzon. What did we say before? What What is it that covers up on this ratzon?
1: Like temptations, and then wanting those temptations. Right, right.
0: Indulgence. Indulgences. Right. Lusts. Right. So. So there's an approach that says, you know what? Stay away from those things. Because those are the things that cover it up. Stay away from that. That way your Ratzin will be activated. Because it's not going to be covered. Okay? So we discussed two ways of activating the Ratzin. One way is do mitzvahs. Which we all do. We do mitzvahs. But mitzvahs has that strength to activate the Ratzin.
1: The second way is? What did you say? Sublimation? Huh? Would you call it a second way sublimation? I don't know. What does that mean? <laughs> like, you, you put your, keep yourself from those temptations. Right, right,
0: right. The problem is not having the temptations. Mm-hmm. The problem is more acting on it. Okay? So the more we stay away from that, the more we're likely to feel and activate this in Okay? So those are two ways of activating this Watson. Let's speak about a third way. Transforming it. The third way is that we're discussing how do you transform? How do you do that? Huh? Meditation. Uh, well, that's a good point, but meditation and what?
1: Meditation on what? Yeah. What are you going to meditate ah, on? So there's, there's by, first of all, first and foremost, Hashem, but also tracing back the different, uh, like you were bringing up, like the different... That's what we're going
0: to talk about soon about that. Because here it's important what you're going to meditate on. Mm -hmm. So we'll talk about that. But let's talk about a third way. Another way is a, a path of helping other yidin. Giving tzedakah to other yidin. Not just tzedakah begashmiyas, but tzedakah beruchnius. How do you give tzedakah beruchnius? How do you do that? Give a word to someone, a word a
1: uh, word. Right. Speak to someone so soi. Yeah. Right, right,
0: right. Putting on <laughs> Torah on the end. Yes. Right. Speaking to you, All right. Have right. Caring about other uh, people, helping them out, not just begashmi, but beruchnius should do mitzvahs, encouraging them. You know, sometimes uh, a big help is just emotional help, emotional support. There's financial support, emotional support, nishama support. That's tzedakah. Tzedakah is, is, is a very powerful way of activating the ratzen. Even though tzedakah is one of the mitzvahs, and we just said that mitzvahs activates the ratzen, so tzedakah is just one of the mitzvahs. So why are we picking on tzedakah? The answer is no. Tzedakah, amongst all the mitzvahs, tzedakah is the one unique mitzvah which is the most powerful tool to activate this ratzah. Now why is it that way? Why is tzedakah the single mitzvah that's most connected to activating this And Why is it that way?
1: giving away the product of all your
0: physical labor? Okay. That, that's right. That, that's one point, right? Stock is, is a very powerful mitzvah because you invested so much in it, right? Okay. And you see it's difficult for people, right? So that, that's one point. Because you're emulating Hashem.
1: You're emulating Hashem, okay? That's what any and in a what? sense, and in a sense, it's like if you, if let's say if, if you were to pretend... That's with any mitzvah, not Sadaqah, though. But tzedakah to the most degree. It what says the film like tzedakah is... So let's talk about
0: this. Let's talk about this point. Okay. The, the, the critical part of it is like this. That to activate this we cannot do it on our own. We need... Uh, help from Hashem. We need tsiyata de shemayon. We need help from Hashem to activate the ratzon. So therefore, tzedakah is the powerful tool to activate this, because when you give tzedakah, so the mitzvahs that we do, Hashem follows. If we give tzedakah, then Hashem does tzedakah. In this sense, it's important to say Hashem emulates us. Mm-hmm. We give tzedakah, Hashem emulates us. So, if we help another yid, Hashem helps us. So that's why tzedakah is, is, is the most powerful mitzvah to activate this raten. So, when a person has uh, this urge, you know, every once in a while we get this urge I want to get closer to Hashem. I wish I'll get closer to Hashem. How do I do that? What's the formula to get closer to Hashem? So there's different things a person should do to get close to Hashem. Different things. And probably one of the most important things is davening. Davening properly. But in addition to that, if a person wants to close to Hashem, a person should give more tzedakah. More tzedakah. And baruchnias also. More tzedakah Because we always need tziyat at we need help from Hashem so when we give tzedakah Hashem gives us tzedakah and what's the biggest tzedakah Hashem could give us
1: to activate that will to activate that
0: will that, that's a huge tzedakah on the part of Hashem okay yeah. so, so like when, when we daven to Hashem the midst of davening is we ask Hashem for different things we ask Hashem for our needs but there's one need that we sometimes forget to ask for. Probably one of the most important needs. What's the need that, that, that's so important? The need to uh, uh, develop, expose this raton to Hashem. That's a need we have. So when we die, we have to ask for it. We have to ask for this. And then when we give tzedakah, Hashem says, Ah, okay, you're helping another year, I'll, I'll give tzedakah to you. Well, oh, what's your question?
1: So, why does Hashem? Is that like an Etiros de and Tata thing, or is this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is not Tata, this is liyel, right? So when we do tzedakah down here, Hashem
0: will. That's right. That's right. That's right. Okay, so we discussed that um, the, the different methods of activating the surotzen, the of das. Uh, what was the first way we mentioned? Mitzvah.
1: Mitzvah is the second thing? Uh, sub- sublimating, not doing the Right. And the third thing is? Zdaka. kindness. Zdaka.
0: Now, I want to get to the fourth thing. The fourth way of activating the and, uh, this Ratzin. And this has to do with, with uh, davening. Or at least certain parts of davening. Now, um, and the preparations for davening. So in our relationship to Hashem, there's different levels of, of relationship. There are certain levels of relationship where we appreciate Hashem. We have certain degree of understanding of Hashem's kindness, of His greatness. We have a certain degree of understanding. We have a certain degree of appreciation and that's one level of our connection to Hashem. However, there's a deeper level of connection to Hashem which be- goes beyond anything we appreciate and understand and feel about Hashem. That's a deeper level of connection. Now. When we deal with the Ghotzin, this the Yid has to Hashem, to serve Hashem, the with a higher understanding, this is our deeper connection to Hashem. It's a deeper level than understanding and feeling Hashem. The power of Ghotzin, the power of will, the it's not emotional, it's not intellectual, it's higher than that, it's deeper than that. This is part of a deeper connection we have to Hashem, which is beyond our appreciation. Now when we daven, so a good chunk of the davening is praising Hashem. Why are we praising Hashem? Some people will say, some people complain, davening is so boring. Every day I say the same thing over and over again. Why can't I make up my own prayers? Maybe it'll become more exciting. Why does it have to be the same prayers again and again and again? <laughs> That's... What you, ever, uh, you ever heard anyone ask this question? Uh, okay. There's
1: a, there's, uh, yeah. uh. what, there, what's that um, story of the one of the rabbi, uh, the one that wrote, the, did all the translations of like the Talmud, Was it, it starts with an S? Steinsaltz. Steinsaltz you know, the story when somebody came to him and, and asked, what, what is it? Why are we daven the same day? And he said something to the effect of, if every day you're davening the same thing, then it's not the davening that, that needs to change, it's you that needs to change. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, okay.
0: Now, th- th- the same question could be asked the opposite way. The opposite, the question, the opposite question was like this. How could it be? that every day I'm praising Hashem and I don't connect to it. Because the question is not, well, it's boring every day I do the same thing. The question is the opposite. How could it be that I'm starving every day and I don't really connect to it? I'm praising Hashem, I don't connect to it. That's the real question. That's the question. So let's take the analogy of uh, a parent says to a child, uh, my uncle, I love you. You know, father says to a child, I love you. Okay, so the father said it on Sunday, and on Monday he said it again, uncle, I love you. You know, before he he goes to sleep, he tells him, uncle, I love you. Tuesday, uncle's going to sleep again, dad I love you. So uncle, the child says, Tati, you told me that Sunday, you told me that Monday, what if you repeat it again? I heard you. I believe you. And I have no reason to believe that anything changed. What if they keep on telling me you love me? So what's the answer to the question? Why does he have to keep on saying it? Um, What would you say? So the father will say, okay, I'll stop saying it. (laughs) I love you. Is that a good answer? Is that a good response? Why not? So one of the reasons is because, number one, when you have a feeling, you just express it, just say it. If you have that feeling on Sunday, say it. If you have that feeling on Monday, say it. Why should you stop saying it? You, you, you're expressing what you feel. Why would you stop saying that if that's what you feel? But in addition to that, it, it's so important for that feeling to be communicated to the child. And it's not enough for the child to assume, I'm assuming my father still loves me because he loved me Sunday and Monday. Why would Tuesday be any different? No, it's important to communicate that. It has to be something which is drilled into the child. It's very important to continuously express it. And then there's also another concept that when you say it, it also activates it. When you speak about an emotion, that emotion gets activated even more. So it's very healthy for a father to say to his child on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, every single day, and it wouldn't hurt more than once a day, "Yankel, I love you. Very important, very healthy. And by the way, uh, while we're on the subject, let me mention, it's very sad to say, it's very sad that there are parents that uh, never told their child, I love you. There are children that, that grow up, and they never heard from the parents the words, I love you. They never heard that. The parents never said that. And it's damaging for the child, very damaging. There are children that actually, you know, they have these studies. They have uh, people tried it. They ask, "Do your parents love you?" They ask children at different ages, "Do your parents love you?" A-, a shocking amount of children said, "I'm not sure." I'm not sure. They never told me I love you. I'm not sure. So it's just very healthy for parents to say to the children, "I love you." It's like just very healthy, and it's necessary. Sometimes parents don't say to their children because their parents didn't say to them. So they don't know any better. So it's not about blaming them. We're talking about the facts. The facts are this has to be expressed. And when you express it every day, that's a good relationship. The same thing is true in marriage also. Where the husband and the wife, they have to express their emotions. It's just a healthy thing. Instead of saying, well, I thought you knew that already. What do I have to tell you? I already told you that a year ago. I have to say it again. No. It's healthy to say it and express it. That's a healthy marriage. Okay. So so therefore, uh, imagine you have a, a, a Tati that every day says to the child, I love you. One day... the the father doesn't feel that love. Doesn't feel that love. He had a tough day at work today. A lot of problems, a lot of issues. And now his child is going to sleep. And he goes to his child and he's about to say to his child, Yanko, I love you. But he stops. He says, you know, right now I don't feel that love. He's just too over. I just don't feel it. So what should the Tati do? Should he be dishonest and say, I love you, but he doesn't feel that? Right? Or should it be honest and don't say anything? Say, I hate you. No, don't say anything.
1: Just like, okay. the, just like the, you were talking about with the court. He must be forced to say it. Okay? <laughs> so what would you advise this guy to do,
0: this Tati? Say it anyway. Say it anyway. Why? He's a liar. He would express his, his true feelings is. Oh, 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 oh. Real, That's right. Really, he does love his child. Just because right now he doesn't feel it, it doesn't mean he doesn't love his child. He doesn't feel that he loves his child, but he does love his child. So you're not a liar to say that you love your child. But not just that. There's a possibility, if you say that, that itself could awaken the love also. It might awaken it. You know, like, why should the child suffer so you should say it? And when you're saying you're not lying. And it might even activate it, you might even feel it. Now, if one day the, the father doesn't feel he loves his child, i will say it anyway, but imagine the next day the same thing happens and he doesn't feel it. And the next day, the whole week goes by, he doesn't feel his love. Two weeks go by, he doesn't feel his love. Then, in that case, we got a problem. You know, if one day goes by and you don't feel it, it's okay. You know, people get all emotionally entangled, and uh, uh, they're under pressure. But if it keeps on going on a daily basis, we got a problem here. You know, I, I, you know, two weeks passed by. Each day, you say good night. I love you, and and that one of these days, two weeks or not, one time you really felt it. There's a problem here. Okay, the father should go to a the therapist. I don't know. He needs help. There's a problem here. Now, the same thing is when the child says to his, his Tati, to his mommy, I love you. Same story. You know, a child, you know, why should I say, Tati, I love you? You know I love you. No, say it. It's healthy. Say it. It's okay. One day the child says to Tati, I don't feel I love you today. So I'm not going to say that. No, say it. Say it. Because you really do love me. And maybe it will may, may awaken you. But no, say it. So in our relationship to Hashem, we love Hashem, and Hashem loves us. When we dive into Hashem, we, we basically are saying to Hashem that, you know, we love you. We'd like you to love you more, but we love you. And we say, you're just, uh, you're so nice to us, you're so powerful you're so great, you're so fantastic we love you but to what extent do we love Hashem? so deep down we love Hashem, deep down every once we love Hashem but not deep down, on a more conscious level to what extent do we love Hashem? so we're going to Hashem and we say to Hashem I love you, okay but to what extent? So it's not so easy for us on a daily basis to feel that we love Hashem. So that's where davening comes to the rescue. Davening is a time every morning where we re, what's that word, calibrate? What's that word, huh?
1: Calibrate, yeah. recalibrate.
0: Okay, like we, 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 we try to become back normal a little bit, you know? When we start speaking about Hashem and His greatness we praise Him that way we develop more of a feeling towards Him, more of a connection, and that way when we say to Hashem, I love you there's more meaning to it So when a person says, well why do I daven the same davening every day the question is the opposite why is it that yesterday when I davened I didn't feel it enough I'm already davening for two weeks, for three weeks, I still don't feel it why don't I feel it? That's the question. The question is not, oh, it's getting boring every day, the same davening. That shows you're not davening. If you're really davening, you're questioning the opposite. Why don't I feel it enough? And then you look forward every day to davening because that's when you connect to what you're saying, to the praising of Hashem. You connect to it to different degrees, different days. You don't always connect the same way. Sometimes you're more into the davening, sometimes less So certain parts of the davening talk to you more one day Other parts another day But davening is a time when you connect to Hashem But what kind of connection? So there's one connection where you connect to Hashem Where you appreciate Hashem You come to a certain appreciation of Hashem When you speak about the greatness of Hashem So you start appreciating the greatness of Hashem in davening we say Godel Hashem Hashem is Godel what does Godel mean? great so you could say those words and keep on davening or you could say the words Godel Hashem and pause and think what does that mean Godel Hashem He's great what does that mean He's great? you have to define it to yourself what does it mean Godel Hashem if you don't define what that means to you, you're not really connecting to it. You just said the words. Godol Hashem. But what does that mean? You could say the words and it has zero impact on my life. Godol Hashem. Wherever Hashem is, He's God. I'm down here. Let's keep on going. That's not what it's meant to do. Godol Hashem is meant to impact the person. Because Hashem is Godol, it directly affects my life. Now, I'm using that as an example, God bless L-Hashem, but that takes preparation before davening and focus during davening, where the words of davening are not just words. Each thing we say in davening has a meaning, and, and the meaning is something which affects the person. Now, a person can't every day by davenings, you know, by every word of davening, pause and reflect what it means, because then they'll take you two days to daven shachis. So you don't have to do it, but at least certain parts of davening, even one part of davening. You know, spend a little bit more time focusing. What does it really mean to me? Toi v'ashem lakoyim, Hashem is good to everyone. Next, let's continue davening. But one second, what did you just say? Could you repeat that please? Toi v'ashem what does that mean? Ah, oh, Hashem is good to everyone. Let's keep on going, hold on. Do you really know what that means? How is He good to everyone? And by the way, does that include me? Is he good to me also? I'm also part of everyone, maybe. So what does that mean he's good to me? And if if I really mean what I'm saying, does that impact me? Or no. Tevashem, okay, let's keep on going. What do you mean let's keep on going? How can you keep on going? Like, do you appreciate that? So again, you don't stop by every word of davening. But at least certain parts of davening, you pause and you think. So when a person davens properly, there are certain parts of the davening where it develops a certain appreciation to Hashem. But there are other parts of davening which activates the deeper connection to Hashem. Okay, but that
1: needs to be explained more at a different occasion. We'll stop here. So,